You're listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast, dedicated to bridging the gap between alternative healthcare and mainstream medicine in utilizing everything good to help you feel great. We're glad you tuned in. Now here's your host, Dr. Michael Pound. My guest today is Dan DePiggio, the author of Beating Sugar Addiction for Dummies and founder of BeatingSugarAddiction.com. On the episode today, we discuss helping listeners overcome stress eating, sugar addiction, and the pitfalls of yo-yo dieting. Please welcome on the show, Dan. All right. I'd like to welcome to the show today, Dan DeFiggio, and he is going to be with us today talking about beating sugar addiction. But before we get into that, Dan, would you explain to me a little bit about how you got into what you do? Sure. I found myself uh, sort of taken into the sugar addiction and stress eating niche more out of necessity than out of a real desire. When I first started working with people in, uh, I guess it was about 1993, so I had been at this for a while, it became clear to me very early on that one of the big problems that people were having was uh, a reliance on sugar and carbs. People who are, are leaning on sugar for energy and for comfort and for convenience so sugar addiction and stress eating are two really big problems. And over time, more and more people started talking about this as a, as a, a real problem in their life. So I started to come up with some techniques, some ways to help people get around this. And pretty soon, um, that started to become my thing. So here I am. So did you, do you feel like you had a sugar addiction? You know, I actually have a slightly different set of problems. You know, my, my big uh, problem personally is I got to watch portions because I'm an overeater. Ah, uh, yes. Um, I, I personally don't um, have too much of a sweet tooth, but I've dealt with literally thousands of people who have. But to be honest with you, Dr. Pound, you probably know this and in your work with people too, um, anytime we're starting to uh, lean on something or medicate with something, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs or gambling or whatever your thing is, you know, that's the signal that uh, something's not right and it needs to be looked at. If you're looking for sugar, there are lots of uh, sort of names for it that you might not be aware of. You know, a lot of the uh, OSEs, things that end in O-S-E, the uh, maltodextrin, other types of things. In fact, on the uh, on my website, on beatingsugaraddiction.com, I have a list of uh, sort of hidden names for sugars. So if you want to look at that and kind of watch out for those uh, hidden sources of sugar in your diet, that's a good place to start. When you're talking to people about carbs or sugar or protein or fat, how is uh, what's the easiest way to navigate those nutrition labels that, that you're talking about when, let's say, a consumer picks up a product and they're trying to decide, is this healthy or not? Uh, that is a great question, Dr. Pound. I actually just wrote a little article about this this morning, so it's perfect timing. Um, I really start by steering people towards natural foods and real foods, for starters, I think it is far too easy for folks to start to try to split too many hairs about worrying about grams of this and grams of that and macronutrient ratios and stuff like that. Sometimes it is appropriate to get into that level of detail, but my experience has been that most folks who are struggling with their weight or struggling with their eating behavior in general, you know, emotional eating or stress eating, this is really about your mindset and your behavior 
as opposed to the numbers on a label. So I really start steering people towards big picture stuff first. Because if you get most of the foundation of nutrition correct, which is reasonable portions, eating real food instead of processed and chemical food, uh, staying away from a lot of chemicals and sugar and sweeteners and stuff like that. You know, if you focus on a plant-based diet with uh, hormone-free proteins, you're going to be fine. And that's really my approach uh, as the foundation of nutrition. I don't so much worry about telling people to, you know, count grams of sugar. I really work towards, all right, you haven't had a vegetable since Tuesday, so let's start there. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, you know? and, and it's funny because I, I've told this story before, but when I took my kids on this shopping spree to um, to a grocery store once, and I just said, okay, go ahead and buy uh, whatever you want, but it can't have a UPC label and it has to be on this side of the, the grocery store. And and so the kids were going bonkers and we filled up the cart with, you know, a bunch of fruits and vegetables and we took it to the front and it took like, oh, it took over a half an hour to check out because they had to look up everything. And, and the, the, the checker kind of looked at me funny and, and I said, well, don't, don't people buy, you know, a lot of, this is like a week's worth of fruits. Yeah. And, I have four boys. So it's like a, a week's worth of fruits and vegetables. And she's like, no, I've never seen this before. <laughs> so I just thought, it, wow. you know, it's not, um, it's not uncommon, but, but I've, I also found that it was very hard eat all of that stuff throughout the week before it's spoiled. And, you know, it made me realize that it's not just, you know, the fact that we need to go and purchase, but actually using them can be kind of difficult if you don't have a plan in place, yeah. I should say. Well, that, and you just nailed it, Dr. Tom. That's the thing. Uh, making a plan is easy and, and setting yourself up for success when it comes to healthy nutrition is really key. Um, one of the biggest problems that I see people struggle with when it comes to lifestyle and how they feed themselves is, you know, everybody's too busy, they're overscheduled, they're stressed out, and how they are planning their food and how they feed themselves is one of the last things that they think about. So you get home at 7.30 at night and you're exhausted and you haven't eaten for six hours and the kids are screaming and your boss has been on your back all day and now you've got to cook something. And so it's just too easy to either grab some fast food on the way home or pull some packaged, you know, box of chemicals out of the out of the cupboard and eat that instead. So my advice to folks who are finding themselves, uh, you know, kind of overscheduled and and stressed out, take a few minutes before you go to sleep or before you leave for work and plan out how you're going to feed yourself for the rest of the day. Or the next day. That way you have a basic idea of what your plan is going to be. So you're not left at the mercy of, you know, what you can find lying around in a break room, or you're not finding yourself, you know, <laughs> try, don't ask your starving brain to try to pick between spinach and ice cream when you are starving and exhausted. You know, everybody from a first day, how should we say, recovering sugar addict or carboholic to an Olympic athlete, some sort of planning is, uh, is required to really make progress and move forward. So, so planning is a sort of a given no matter who you are. But for the stress eaters in particular, you know, people who tend to reach for junk food whenever they are uh, feeling stressed out or overwhelmed or whatever – 
Here's my, um, here's my advice on that. That is your red flag. When those urges strike, that is your red flag for you are seeking something and it's not food. So for example, um, let's say you're at work and you're all stressed out and you're overwhelmed and, and you've got a deadline. And so you reach for cookies. Um, if you are feeling stressed out and overwhelmed at work, chances are what you really want is some sort of feeling of peacefulness or a feeling of control or reassurance, something like that. Um, cookies will not give you that, right? Right. So, so anytime you find yourself having the urge to mindlessly reach for something that you know is not good for you, that's your red flag to say, all right, what is really going on here? What is it that I am really seeking in this moment? And it just takes five or 10 seconds or less than that when you get good at it. But take 10 seconds and think about what it is that you really want. And then you'll realize, hmm, this junk food is not going to be able to give me that. So I'm going to do something else. So I want to talk a little bit about uh, dieting and specifically the yo-yo dieters. Now you say uh, yeah. you're, yeah, you say you're offer flexible nutrition coaching, but this oftentimes, I mean, isn't yo-yo dieting essentially a little too flexible? Uh, no, not exactly. Okay. I, I think um, people who get into yo-yo dieting, this cycle of uh, going on a thing and losing some weight and then going off the rails and gaining it all back and sometimes more and then losing weight again, you know, this back and forth kind of stuff. Um, this really comes from the lack of a mindset that is changing what is normal for you. And here, if, if the folks who are listening to this recording are struggling with stress eating or yo-yo dieting, if you remember one thing or have one takeaway from what we are talking about today, write this down. Whatever you do most of the time, that's what you get. Right now we're talking about food. So whatever is normal for you as far as how you feed yourself or don't feed yourself, then you're going to get the results of that. If you do not like the results that you are getting from how you're feeding yourself, you have to change what you usually do. And the problem with yo-yo dieting is people don't change what's normal for them. They find a diet or a plan or a thing and they go on it, and I'm putting on in air quotes right now. So I go on this thing for a while. And, you know, regardless of whether it is a smart and sensible and healthy plan or not, because we all know there's tens of thousands of different diets out there. Some of them are foolish and some of them are good. But my, my point is, regardless of what you're doing in your brain, it's like a temporary thing. Okay, I'm going to do this plan. And then you, you do this plan for a while. And then either you lose the weight you want to lose and you're done with it or you stop doing the plan before you get where you want to go and you're still done with it. And the bottom line there is you just go back to what you used to do. And that's what got you in trouble in the first place. So the end result is you haven't really changed anything. So regardless of how good your diet is, how smart or effective or healthy your diet is or not, it's still in your brain a temporary thing. You're on a thing or you're off a thing. 
And that is the definition of the yo-yo diet, the off and on, the pendulum, the roller coaster back and forth. So what I try to steer people away from is you are not on a diet or anything. What we're going to do is we're going to start examining how you're feeding yourself right now and start to make some baby steps and some small improvements little by little so that six months from now, for example, you are a whole different person. You're acting different. You're eating different. You're thinking different, but you don't feel like you're really doing anything that differently because this has become normal for you. Yeah. If somebody's habit is not planning at all and just being a train wreck with food all day, then we start by um, doing a little bit of effort every day on preparation and forethought into this kind of thing. If somebody's issue is, you know, this reactive eating, the stress eating, the sugar addiction kind of stuff, then we start making baby steps around that using some of the tools that I had talked about, like, hey, you know, this is your red flag and you always do this every night. So let's make some changes around this one thing for starters. And once that you settle into that sort of baby step number one and a better version of that becomes normal, then you can work on the next thing. You can't try to change 15 or 20 different things at one time. That's, that's what diets try to do. You know, there's this assumption that, uh, okay, on day one of your 21 day detox, you're going to stop eating everything that is bad for you. You're only going to have organic pasture clippings and, and, uh, ant juice and you're never going to touch another thing that is bad for you ever again in your whole life. And that's just not realistic. That kind of stuff doesn't last. It's not a sustainable plan for people. So I work with folks on uh, lifestyle behaviors, little by little, depending on what you need the most. That's the, the flexible portion of it. You know, I don't have a system or a plan that I plug everybody into because no, no plan is right for everybody. You know, I, I start with somebody and talk to them about what their biggest struggles are and what they're doing to kind of shoot themselves in the foot. And then we start making changes around that little by little and baby steps uh, take you from point A to point C and D and F and Z. And pretty soon, as I mentioned earlier, um, when you look back, you're like, wow, I really, I do things so much differently and I think differently and I've lost this weight and I'm so much healthier and I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything weird. People generally find me because of uh, the stress eating and or the sugar addiction. You know, that's kind of the, the, the niche and the name that I've made for myself in this field. But the, the people that I like to work with are the folks who have already experienced the things that I've described as far as the yo-yo dieting and trying this and failing and trying that and failing because they, they haven't really made these changes in their normal day-to-day -day behavior. So if people are done with that and they're ready to do something different, um, then we'll have a great conversation and we'll have a good success together. Sugar is a, is a sort of an inflammatory substance, first of all. So it causes a lot of inflammation throughout the body. In all but the smallest amounts, it starts to um, overload the uh, pancreas and the liver depending on what kind of sugar it is. So it contributes to obesity and diabetes. Uh, a lot of the chemical sweeteners will disrupt um, your natural appetite sensors and the hormones that do that. So it can start to screw with your, um, your ability to know when you've had enough to eat. 
So there's a host of problems with both uh, regular sugar and the artificial sweeteners from a health standpoint. Um, I think most people are aware that it's not good for them. I don't really ever have to teach somebody that, hey, you know, candy is bad for you and a mixed green salad is good for you. That's right. not news to anybody. Right. So um, I don't generally have to do that kind of nutrition education. It's really more about the behavior. People are saying, look, here's what I'm doing. Will you help me stop doing this and start doing something different? Okay. Talk about the client that you've, uh, maybe a client you've had success with. They're doing really well. They've got a pretty good diet and eating uh, good food. They're planning it ahead of time. And then all of a sudden, you know, they go to work and there's all this free junk food. Or here comes the holidays, you know, or we want to go out with other people, but now we're known as the health snob because we can't eat there because they don't have any healthy food. <laughs> or we can't go to this right. restaurant without ordering this. So walk us through how you work with your clients in trying to not ostracize themselves by becoming healthy. Yeah, boy, that's a really, that's a really good insight, Dr. Pond, because I do hear that a lot, you know, um, to be in the, the one person who's paying attention to what he or she is eating can sometimes feel like you're, you know, sticking out of, of the crowd. But um, the way that I usually approach that kind of uh, situation is if you get your eating right, 80% of the time, you're going to be fine long-term. You know, if you're going out with some friends and maybe you drink a little more than you usually do, or you eat something that you don't normally eat, that is not going to be a big problem. What does get people into big problems is long stretches of that because they get into this all or nothing. This goes back to the yo-yo dieting and the all or nothing thinking if they're thinking in their head, okay, I'm on this healthy eating thing, and then once you eat one thing that isn't on the approved list, then in their brain, they're like, oh, well, I failed. I guess I'm off the thing. And then they go completely off the rails in the other direction, and they, they don't pay any attention to what they're eating with no intentionality, and there's this crazy train wreck of uh, hedonism for weeks and weeks on end until they can't stand it anymore. And then they start the whole process over again. So when folks come into a situation where they know it's going to be challenging to eat well, then you got two options. You know, you can make the best of the situation that you have and understand that, well, I'm not going to be exactly hundred percent the way I wanted to have it, but I'm going to keep it within the guide rails that's the, that's the best way to go about it. Um, another way to look at it is, all right, well, it's my birthday and I'm going to eat whatever the heck I want all day and I don't care. And I'll just get back to, uh, you know, normal, healthy eating tomorrow. And that's okay too. As long as you just have that, you know, one day, um, you really get in trouble when you start thinking, I'm so restricted and I'm so deprived and I can't do anything. that isn't on the, on the plan and on the list. And then once you have one thing that deviates a little bit, then in your brain, that's like you totally failed and nothing else matters. And that's just crazy thinking. What about eating healthy while you're traveling? Oh, how do we, how do we plan for that? I mean, it's really difficult to, you can't even take water on a plane, <laughs> you know, much less uh, you know, a lot of healthy things. So 
What do we do when we're traveling to make sure we don't um, overstep that 20%? Yeah, good, good point. Traveling is harder because you're at the mercy of whatever you can find. Um, fortunately, things are getting a little bit better when it comes to being able to find reasonably healthy things when you're out and about. I mean, even McDonald's and Wendy's have, you know, salads these days. So you, that's an option right there. It's, I mean, it's not the greatest salad you'll ever have in your life, but it's better than French fries and uh, ice cream when it comes to uh, feeding yourself on the road. So if you stick to the principles of trying to uh, find a vegetable and some reasonable protein source every time you eat, you know, um, some kind of vegetable or some kind of fruit or some sort of plant-based material, (laughs) and then some sort of a protein source, be that chicken or meat or or fish or eggs, sometimes a uh, dairy protein like cottage cheese or Greek yogurt is an option too. So if you can stick to the big picture of trying to combine a protein and a plant every time you eat, you can do that pretty well most of the time when you're out on the road. Yeah, I like like what you said about that. I I'll I'll come clean on the show. I, I used to have a fry addiction, right? I love love my French fries. I'll go to Red Robin, give me the you know the <laughs> unlimited baskets, and I got to the mm-hmm. point where I was like, okay, I need to kind of focus in on on this this craving that I have, and I I did what I I call just a French fry fast. You know, I challenged myself. Okay, go for a month without French fries, and then it became two months, and then then two years. And I, I found just making that small shift, I, I ate out less. Uh, I started finding different things that I would eat. And even just subsidizing that salad, like you said, uh, was pretty amazing. It just, a different palate developed. And, and, um, and I'll have to tell you, that was, that was, it was pretty amazing just to, just to do that simple change. Yeah, that's a good job, Dr. Brown. And what you reported is pretty common for folks to report to me that, you know, after they go a couple weeks with eating more real food and less uh, less sugar, less junk food, less of that what we call hyper palatable food stuff that's like really over sweet and over chemicaled and over uh, over sweetened. Um, once you get away from that kind of stuff, your taste buds start to resensitize to what real food tastes like. So that kind of food, that the stuff you junk food you used to eat, doesn't even taste good to you anymore. So um, you you just described a really good uh, really good process, and you did a great job with it. Sometimes another tool around that same thing that I can offer up to the listeners because it, sometimes it's hard to get into the idea like. Well, let's say French fries, because that's a great example. I mean, who doesn't love French fries? And you say, gosh, these are really not very good for me. Fried food is not good for me. So instead of trying to get yourself off of French fries forever, if you really like them, the way I like to go about that is, all right, well, let's plan when during your week or during your month you're going to have your French fry treat. So that planning aspect allows you to include some of the foods that you really love, even if you know they're not very good for you but you do it on purpose and you don't do it all the time because of the health ramifications. And then if I may add my own personal thing into that, because as we discussed earlier, you know, I'm a little bit of, I have a tendency to be an overeater. So like if I get, if I get French fries, I want to eat like all the French fries, whatever, whatever's in the bag. Uh, that's what I'm going to eat. 
So one of the tools that I use for myself is, okay, if it is, for example, French fry day, I'm going to have a couple handfuls of fries and that is all. So what I'll do is I'll set aside, I'll order, you know, a small fry and I'll set aside like half of them and I'll put them on a napkin and then I will either give the rest away to somebody or throw them out. So I'm not tempted to eat everything that is in front of me. And my option is, all right, now I have half an order of small fries in front of me. And I eat them and I enjoy them. And I find that, gosh, that's plenty. You know, I got my French fry fix and I didn't eat 1,500 calories and uh, a basketball-sized portion of French fries. No, I think that's really uh, really simple and really actionable. So I appreciate that. Sure. You can do the same thing with any of the junk foods you like, you know, ice cream, cookies, cake. You don't have to eat everything that is in front of you. The portions are too big. And um, most people will report that the first two bites of everything is what they really want. You want two bites of that treat. After that, the rest of it is just mindless gobbling of these calories. So uh, eat two bites and be done with it. Yeah, my son's a health coach, and he he went through this program, and they talk about uh, different foods like green light foods, red light foods, and, and really the yeah. red or the yellow light foods are is, is slowing down the process. I mean, you still get the pleasure of starting to eat it, but without the guilt that comes along from overeating or eating too much of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen that red light, yellow light, green light system. I love it. I think it's really good. So let's talk a little bit about maybe a client that you can think of that you've worked with and how they've been able to heal as a result of what uh, advice that you've been able to give them. Does anyone stick out in your mind that kind of really... Uh, yeah, sure. I actually have been working with a woman um, recently, and the biggest turnaround, I think, that is um, really hits home for me and gets me out of bed every morning is the is the reports of how much happier and more peaceful and in control she is. Uh, of course, you know, she's losing weight and losing inches and all the other metrics that we use to measure like health improvements is great. And everybody likes to lose weight. Everybody likes to get in good shape and everybody likes to feel good and have energy and all that. And that's, that's wonderful. Um, you know, everybody gets that. The things that are really special to me are the things that get reported to me about how this just turned around my life. You know, um, I used to feel like this and now I feel like this, you know, they're empowered and they're in control. And this one woman told me, um, her name's Diane. And, and she told me, uh, I realized thanks to your help that life is messy, but I don't have to be messy in it. And I thought that was just a great quote that sums it up really nicely for me. So um, those kinds of stories are keeping me motivated and help remind me every day why I do what I do and why I love doing the kind of work that I have been blessed to be in for the last 24 years. But what's maybe one thing that you do on a regular basis that a lot of people don't do that maybe they would find maybe a little strange or different um, that you feel really makes a, a contribution to your success? Um, every morning, my wife and I sit for a gratitude and appreciation moment. And uh, it's just a gratitude practice. And before we start breakfast, we just sit and have a few moments of silence and reflect upon uh, all the things that we're thankful for. 
and that adds a, uh, a tremendous boost to the energy. So, and I, you know, you can take that same tool for the, uh, for the stress eating pieces that we had been discussing earlier. Um, sure. Life is stressful. And when things crop up, one of the things that you can do to sort of help calm yourself down and give yourself a little reality check, you say, all right, so here's this one thing I'm really getting stressed out about and do what you and I just talked about for five seconds, just add to that something else that is going well, something else that you're grateful for, something else that you're happy about. So you don't ignore the stressful thing or the troublesome thing or the thing that's making you upset. You just add to it one thing that makes you feel better too. So it kind of balances things out and it really helps to manage the stress and anxiety in a day in and day out basis. All right, Dan. Well, if people want to find out more about you or if they want to connect with you, what's the best way to, uh, to connect with you or reach out to you? My headquarters is beatingsugaraddiction.com. Perfect. And we'll put a link to that uh, on the website, like I said before. And um, I'd like to, again, thank you for being on the show this morning. It's been a pleasure, and I appreciate all the advice that you've been able to give on the show. It has been really nice talking with you, Dr. Pound. Thank you so much for asking me to come on your show. You bet. Thanks for listening to the Heal Better Fast podcast at www.healbetterfast.com. 